Gentlemen, start your engines. This is going to be a mighty emotional occasion for a lot of people, not the least of whom is myself. In a race to remember. But this is absolutely gobsmacking. He hasn't even hit the brake yet. It's gone crazy at the top of the hill. Off the scale car race. G'day, I'm Dan Hollihan. Welcome to my motorsports podcast, On the Couch with Hawley. Brought to you by Sweet Black, creating success with people. Today I'll be joined by John McCorkendale, a privateer Super 2 driver. Let's get into it with John. Alright, John, welcome to On the Couch with Hooley. You're my first ever guest. Thanks man, appreciate it. Good to come in. I want to start with many, many years ago. We were obviously mates in go-karts and stuff like that, but... I want to talk about your years at Parramatta Speedway. You were known for your bright green, you know, 410 sprint car, and you've obviously raced wingless and stuff with your family. But what's your memories of Parramatta Speedway? Well, it's funny, like most Speedway families sort of grew up around it, where I didn't even go to the Speedway, to be honest with you. My memories were pretty much when I started racing. So I've um, done the wingless, you know, the wingless racing, and then obviously, but my more fonder memories are the 410s. So that, that's where I sort of... I didn't do many years, but they were definitely more my more fond memories. Also, you've also raced like obviously junior sedans and wingless sprints. Back then, did you know a lot of guys who've gone through the ranks to go into anything big and have they been paid overseas in America and stuff like that? Or are most of the guys that you know now are just mates and just racing for fun? Virtually my whole career with racing, because we're just a family team, it's just been budget orientated. So we got to a point in go-karts and I was like, well, all my mates are going to Formula Ford. And back then budgets were huge yeah. i wasn't working you know we're just a family-based team so we went okay what about speedway mm -hmm. and then i was reading in a was it auto action or a speedway magazine or something like that and a junior sedan article popped up and it said pcr junior sedans and i actually thought pcr meaning the go-kart chassis so i yeah. thought they were that's yeah. how much i knew about Parramatta. so i think we went to one race meeting and boom just sold sold everything and um drove down to melbourne yep. and picked up a honda integra for our first car yeah, right. We went from there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty much went from there. So we built everything all, all in-house. So that thing was stripped and uh, it was like Days of Thunder type stuff, that one. It was like sat in this dude's old barn, Hardy. I forget his first name. He'll kill me. But um, <laughs> he, yeah, he built the cage in his shed and I'd go and help him notch out. And um, yeah, it was like literally like Days of Thunder type stuff, that one. Yeah, right. So it was just an old barn. Was it in the barn of his or was it in your backyard? No, it was actually in his old man's. I think it was an alpaca barn from memory. It was, yeah, pretty old school, but he was a good world. Like he, everything he'd done was really good. Yeah. And he was quite young at that stage. So he was still working for a person and um, he'd do that stuff after hours. I think he's gone and he's got a pretty big business now doing welding and fab, but not in motorsport. I think that's the only motorsport cage he's ever done but it was cool like he learned i was learning we'd learn how to notch and bend and you know all that sort of stuff so and then you know rocked up to parameter not knowing a thing it was yeah different so you were saying obviously before like with go-karts and stuff like that where we came from um with formula ford were you actually tempted to go down the formula ford route like myself you know like most drivers do out of go-karts back then or did you just go you obviously found the junior sedans and went the speedo route because it was obviously cheaper at the time yeah like we as you know like you know rough budgets already. Like back then it was when they were following the supercars. So it was huge budgets. And like we, like I could run a season in junior students for like five grand. So like you can't even buy a set of tyres in Formula Ford for that much. So it was pretty obvious which way we needed to go to move forward. And I guess in hindsight, you know, that's why I try to tell my juniors that I talk to now. Sometimes a step forward in what seems to be the wrong direction isn't necessarily the wrong direction because you, you still need to step forward with the budget you have. And there's no point doing one year of one sport, like say Formula Ford and then dying. So yeah. we thought, oh, we'll go this junior set, the, the junior sedan path. So now obviously you're... um. What I've seen on Facebook and social media, you're actually helping techno and stuff. So you're mentioning junior drivers. Are you, how many junior drivers are you helping now and what's their names and stuff like that? Yeah, so like I'm, I've only just signed up with Techno Australia. So eventually we'll do the AKC or the, the Pro Tour when I can help them out. You know, his young boats, Cohen, you know, we've got Matthew Hansford-Taylor. He's yep. up, up north. Uh, Lachlan Maneef, you've got yep. Craig down here. So, But the best thing apart about the techno brand and what we're going to do is it's not necessarily about big events i can go to orange club day and help out a young kid that's that's his world title and that's what i'm happy to do because i i don't want to feel that we only look after the guys that are at the very pointy end because yeah. just because they can't afford to get to that point doesn't mean they don't need the respect and help at the lower club day so you'll see me at grenfell or you'll see me at you know akc so and it's not necessarily helping out 
you know, I'm not the most technical person, but it might just be just your mindset on a race weekend. Don't lose your shit and kick your helmet. Yeah. Don't get upset. Yeah, don't get upset, yeah. you know. it's <laughs> We all did that. Yeah, we <laughs> hence the smiley face on the hel- helmet, man. Like, you see these kids get upset because they, they're racing their $10,000 go-kart on the weekend. It's like, mate, people can't afford football boots. You're upset about racing a go-kart. A shit day at the track is so much better than what these other kids, like some other kids have to go through. Oh yeah. Most of them obviously just dream to like a race a go-kart as you said and some are just on sim racing. For you to help like, obviously those guys with a lesser budget is massive for them because they see a Super 2 driver coming from the bottom. So I think it's great. And also what I saw on one of your stories, which I which I touched on with you over Instagram was like obviously um at an abandoned go-kart track. So what was that? Yeah. What, what track Forbes. was that? Forbes, yeah. that's it. Yeah, Forbes, yeah. yeah. So I actually won the Australian and state championship at that track uh, in dirt. It was such a cool thing to get back there and have a look. And I was wa- working just down the road and I'm like, fuck, i got to go in there, have a look. And grass was like six foot high, snakes everywhere. And I was like, it just brought so ba- like so much memories. And for how far I've gone and what we've done, that track, even though it's probably – a speck of dirt yeah. middle of nowhere but that had such good memories for me and it's like it just shows that the small tracks are where it's at like you need to have that small time feel to get the memories before you go and stress out about a blue plate or a green plate or some shit at one like, of the big tracks like yeah Newcastle. yeah exactly yeah. port or you know all those big tracks you, you need those smaller tracks to get your family friends around and you know like i said make great memories and i've still got friends my mate from forbes darren piper I met him, he was a fat little 12-year-old, still fat, but <laughs> I met him like yeah. at 12 and like he was my best man at my wedding, I'm, I'm his godfather to his son, you know, we're just good friends and I think that's where, that's the main thing I'd like, kids need to get out of karting, not, you know, leaving school, you know, for a week at a time to go race a state title, it's not where it's at. And realistically, the supercar team couldn't give a shit if you win a state title or not, it's the attitude and, and, and how you learn the processes. Mm. You know, you could go in there with 50 Australian titles, but if you've got a bad attitude, they'll just tell you, get out the door. When you were talking about, obviously, supercar teams, you obviously picked up your Super 2 car from Gary Rogers. Yeah. So is that the only team that you've been close with in terms of, like, getting knowledge from, or have you actually spoken to other bigger teams like Tickford or, yeah. you know, Wilkinshaw or something like that? No. I Unfortunately, with those teams, they're a business. So every bit of information is costs, And it's something that people don't really realise that in supercar land – you know, a piece of paper could cost you $10,000. And that's fact. So we can't afford to do that. So we try to do everything on our own. Um, we do have, you know, contracting mm-hmm. engineers yep. to help us out. But in terms of affiliation, that last car was the first car I've bought directly from a main game team. Yeah, and you actually had trouble bringing it up from Victoria, didn't you? Didn't you have... Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah truck broke tr- down. Truck yeah, broke down yeah, yeah oh, mate, yeah. I had the worst couple of weeks. I've Bit of a shit show. Yeah, I sold my car to a bloke in Sydney and then I had to go pick up the car and we broke down in Victoria. Then my driver drove the truck up to Sydney to drop my other car off and he lost half a finger to try and unload. Yeah, he had to get some stitches in his finger, but (laughs) it was just the worst couple of weeks. It was just crazy rushed. You know, they're the things that people don't get to see. Yeah. You know, being a family family team, you know, there are a couple of privateers in our category, but most drivers just rock up with a helmet. What most don't know, obviously, me being close to you and being a friend of yours, is you've actually got a female engineer or mechanic on your team. Yes, Siobhan. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. Or Bob, we call her. She, yeah, well, she's she's pretty damn good at her job. Yeah, she's I've unreal. Seen. Yeah, yeah, Bob's yeah. good. I'll tell you why, Bob, because yeah. Siobhan is with a B and I'm illiterate. So I was like, why would you put a B in Siobhan? So I'm just going to call you Bob. <laughs> that's that's why Bob. <laughs> yeah. That's where you get Bob from. But, um... Uh, yeah, she's unreal. We were racing 86s at Bathurst and we had a crash. Uh, no, Sydney. No, Canto yeah. took me out and yeah, right. um, in 86s. And then she was a part of the TAFE program and they just worked so well together. And I actually got a hold of the TAFE director and I said, hey, I really want someone to come on board. We're budget team. I sent an email out to everyone a part of that program and she was the only one to get back to me. Yeah, right. And she's been with me ever since. Wow. You would think, obviously, from a TAFE point of view, you'd want to work with a, like a race car team. and Yeah. Oh, it just shows your commitment, mate. Like, yeah. you get that opportunity. And I know for a fact that she could get a job with any supercar team tomorrow because of that experience now. So, What, what would you do? Like, obviously, I've never run a team, but I run with Barton Moore, right? Yeah. So that's like, obviously, a smaller team in the Formula Ford ranks. But yep. with you, so say if Bob goes on to another team, do you now have to go out and search for someone else? Or, yeah. or would Gary, your dad, chip in and help until you find someone else? Well, we've been pretty lucky. We've got a couple of really good guys around. So, like... Bob had a couple, two rounds off. She went up north on a camping trip with a boyfriend. And um, so we're able to, you know, fill her role. But obviously she's like furniture. We'd love to keep her around. But it's easy to find someone. It's hard to get the processes to the point where it's like, 
everything just flows. Like she knows her job. She knows what to write down. She knows how to do it. And you can get people in and you can do things, but then it's like, it's just those fine little details that takes time. And she's got that down to a pack. But, you know, I've got some really good crew, don't get me wrong. Like, and it might be, you know, one of my sponsors, Tony, he comes out and rubs down all the panels and he sprays them and does everything like that. So everyone's got their little jobs that they're really good at. Um, and my two mechanics from Melbourne, they're coming up for this round coming and they're brilliant. So, you know, go to racing, have a few beers in the Arvo and chill out. And it's, yeah, it's pretty relaxed. Yeah. yeah. Just chill out, have a beer afterwards. And yeah, 100%. <laughs> I'd crack a beer for sure. If no one wants to stay around with me. Yeah, that's one of the things I miss about speedways. They um everyone races, then cracks a beer after, and then yeah. chills out for an hour. Or so well, where cars well, is pack off and we're yeah. on a, on a plane. Well, obviously, like I was massively attached to just watching the sprint cars at Paramount Speed. What did you What did you think when like it was randomly abruptly stopped? Yeah, yeah. What was your thoughts of now? Like now, obviously, you were driving to the studio today, driving past it. If if you may have driven past it, yeah, I what did, was your yeah. Th- yeah? What was your thoughts of just seeing it's being like all deteriorated it's and crap, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. I know, like, and it, everything needs progression. So, you know, it's got to that point where, you know, it's probably going to be a good thing that we get the new facility. Hopefully, being where it is, they can still get the crowd in is probably yeah. the only thing I'm concerned about. But it's like anything. History, like losing the Forbes track. History, yeah. like losing these places sucks. But as well is I can understand where they're coming from, like racing 100 sprint cars in essentially a city, like yeah. in an industrial estate. You can just see the growth growing around it. And I understand the history, you know, Speedway people are very uh, set in their ways with where they race, how they do things. So maybe a new place and a new start might help them, you know, progress into the, you know, the mainstream. You've spoken, you know, status updates about getting offered a drive in, in a new sprint car team potentially. Yeah. Yeah. When the, when the new Speedway opens up. Do you know anything about like, obviously the way they're going to go about it? So we'll like, obviously COVID's around. So do, are they going to do the same thing at Eastern Creek? Are they going to have, you know, you've got to be vaccinated for that Speedway to turn up and race? Oh, I don't know. Me yeah. personally, I think they've got no choice. It's still yeah. a, it's still a government run sporting organisation. So I think it'll be essentially exact same way as what we do here at Sydney. You know, you show your double vax on the way in. We had to get a COVID test on the way in too, but I don't know if that's going to be a thing. You know, in December it's all opened up, but I think the double vaccine is going to be here to stay. I don't think it's going to affect the crowds. I think, you know, 90% of people, you know, they haven't raced Speedway for two years now. I think that's, if um, if you're not going to turn up after two years, you're probably not a real (laughs) real, uh, fan of the the sport. Like I'll be there, 100%. Were you like, obviously during the lockdowns and stuff like that, you were lucky because you were obviously on the job a lot. Um, yeah. You know, with your job, Mr. Mac. Obviously, I don't know a lot about the business. So, like, with you, what's the doll before you dig in the Mr. Mac thing? Is it the same business or is it you're a contracted part of the business and, you know? So, Dial Before You Dig is a not-for-profit organisation. Yep. So, essentially, it's a free product. So, you do a Dial Before You Dig online or yep. on your app. I'm going to dig a hole out in the street. Essentially, they, they're the people that send you the maps. Yep. So, we actually have nothing to do with Dial Before You Dig. But the next stage, if you go, oh, crap, there's some Telstra power fiber, all that sort of stuff, we need to get a certified locator in. And yep. that's when you'd call an independent contractor. So even though we've got Dolphidig splashed up the side of everything, we actually don't have anything to do with Dolphidig itself. We yep. are just a contractor, that, but we're the next stage. We're the certified locator. So my old man was a locator, has been a locator for 20 years. And that's where the Dolphidig thing actually come about. So we started with go-karts and with Dob for digging, it was just a couple of free shirts and a sticker. And that's where it started. What got you into motorsport? Was it your dad or was it just you watching like a race on TV? For me, it was like, it was the Bathurst 1000 in 1997 where Russell Ingle and Larry Perkins won. Oh yeah. But for you, what was the, like the moment for you that got you into like motorsport? Yeah. Growing up on a farm, I've had heaps of paddock bashes. I've had yeah. Honda Odysseys, motorbikes, all that sort of stuff. None of my family's ever been in racing. We just couldn't afford it. And um, I don't know the race, but I remember the day lying in bed. And I said to dad, dad, what would I need to do to race? And he said, I guess go-kart. And um, I said, okay, and just that was it. And then my mum worked for a radio station in Young and the Grenfell 2004 New South Wales titles was on at Grenfell and they got tickets. I don't know why you need tickets, free entry. <laughs> so they probably just said, I've got free tickets. Yeah, to make going. it bigger Yeah, for exactly. Yeah. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just free entry. <laughs> you don't even get a free sausage or something. But yeah. Um, so we went over there and watched it and I was like, oh, I'm hooked. I've got a race. So it's a pretty cool first race to look at is a state championship and especially, you know, mid-2000s, that was where go-karting was at its peak. Yeah. So it was huge huge numbers. Again, that's where I met the fat Darren. And Back then when we were racing, there was like at least 70 entries for, huge. Junior, for junior fields. Yeah, huge. That's Mate, crazy. The best thing about our state titles are epicharge. You used to 
do qualifying and then sit up and watch the repercharge and watch people roll the go-karts and fucking hit each other and it was great. Now it's like, oh, can we get a field to a state title? I don't know if like many people know these days. Maybe we should explain like the repercharge, what it meant for... Yeah. <laughs> because now obviously these days all the kids... Just straight you know, in. Yeah, straight yeah. in. There's no no worry about the repercharge. You know, back then when we were racing, like yeah. you didn't qualify, you were gone. Yeah, you gone. Were, yeah. So, yeah, like essentially if you weren't in the top, was it... It depended on the track limits. So it was like... Yeah. I think it was 40 at Eastern Creek. I yeah, think, maybe 30s or, at Grenfell. Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, think Grenfell was like 30 or something like that. Essentially, if you went in the 30, you had to, it was a second chance race. That's why there were so many crashes. So yeah. if you were in the top three or five, I forget the number, but you had to be in that top yeah. three to um to move into the, just to make the heats. Like, realistically, you're not going to win. I'd probably just pack <laughs> up and go home. <laughs> yeah. But um, it was cool. Like, those numbers back then, like, you could go to club days and race 20 people. For me, like, obviously... Um, I had Christian Limbaum and stuff. Coaching the bass player. Yeah, the bass player. Yeah. The bass player, you know, he, yeah. he was known for his bass player stickers and yeah. stuff like that. Did he play bass? Yeah, he did. He actually did. Is that why he was a bass player? Oh, Kyle, Kyle, his dad played bass. Oh, there you go. <laughs> owned a bass player shop um, yeah. just down the oh, road. Oh, that's why it was. I thought yeah. it was a nickname. No, it wasn't because wasn't he's like he played bass. It was oh. actually generally because he's actually old man owned a bass yeah. player shop down ah. the road here. So. He was always too stuck up to talk to me back then. <laughs> he was too good for me. Maybe I'll get him on the podcast, yeah. but who knows? Yeah, 100%. He can, he yeah. can tell his yeah. side of the story. <laughs> Although that was, um, that was, they were like the cool kids. It was like um, Christian... And yeah. then there was Roddy Balboan. Do you remember yeah, Roddy? Yeah, yeah. yeah, you raced him at Speedway. Yeah, I was going to yeah, actually yeah. ask that. Like, um, who was the kids you like idolized to get to the front back then? Like, for me, I actually idolized you, Christian, Josh Scott. Yeah, Josh Scott. Yeah, yeah he, he was, was he, he was gun. Yeah, yep. in karting, you mean? Yeah, yeah. So it's funny. Like, even now, I'm I was the worst kid in class. Like, so bad. Almost certain I'm dyslexic. But you said a number of a go kart. Oh, you said a number. I'd be like, yeah. Josh Scott, 89, BRM. I was obsessed with go-karting. I was obsessed with racing back then. So essentially anyone at the front, you know, your Josh Scotts, you know, your Limbombs. Matty Wall. Matty Wall, he was a big one for me. Yeah. Uh, he used to have his poster in my room. Yeah. With his there little, we go. That's, yeah. that's what I was hitting yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> poster yeah. in the room. Yeah, poster in the room. Yeah. Yeah. The old Card Oz magazines and yeah. karting magazine. Yeah, so obviously we had a lot of guys who were racing go-karts and Limbom and Josh Scott, who was who we were also saying. I always knew you for your red go-kart. Do you actually still have that? I wish. I'd love to track it down. Go -kart yeah. anymore. It's so weird. I don't know how I've gone about it, but when I raced karts, everything yeah. was red. And now everything's, uh, green. everything's green. Yeah. 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 Uh, no, I don't, but I'd love to track it down. Yeah, I'd pay good money for that car. Any of them. Probably my, the original one, the AX5, paid 1500 bucks for it. It's funny, like you now the shit I buy now, it's fucking dropping the ocean. My road is worth more. <laughs> but I remember going to Wagga to buy my first go-kart. So my Honda Odyssey, my motorbike, and I had a roll for $1,500. And I thought that was like I could retire. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was ready to retire on my $1,500. Um, but, yeah, I'd love to find that one. It went to a bloke, I think in Canberra or Tamora. Yeah, with an old clubbing on it. So if anyone has an old AX5. Yeah, and they're listening to this yeah, podcast. Yeah, bent to the shit house, it'd be mine. Yeah. <laughs> In someone's garage, yeah. collecting dust yeah. right now. Yeah, I'll, buy, I'll re buy it off you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you have the one, like I did yeah. back then, Um, switch motors? Did you just switch motors on that cart back then? Or did you uh, or did you have like two or three carts that you had? I had like, two. No, yeah. yeah, so uh, through like the Southern Zone, like the regional stuff, mm. we only had just the one, the AX6, which was like a J. We're on J. J-Fats or J-Heavy. And then when I moved up into like the Premier State Cup and doing state title stuff, mm. I still had two, but just mainly focused on the one in Junior Clubman. So it was, um, just trying to think. No, that's it. I only had two. Yeah. So that was it. It's funny, like these days when you go go-kart and people got test carts, race carts. Yeah, see, I didn't know that. Yeah. I, just, I just bought like, that's why I was hitting you up on yeah. Facebook ages ago, just to buy a go-kart yeah. just to have a go. They actually yeah. have test carts now. Yeah, mate, it's nuts. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And they, like, will... We'll filter a chassis through. I don't know if it's any good thing. It's just in their minds. But, um, mm. you know, people should filter chassis throughs after three races. Really? Yeah, three or four races. Yeah, Dinkin. Yeah, it's huge dollars. Holy yeah. shit. Massive. <laughs> Mate, the budgets that these kids are telling me they're racing with, I'm like, dude, I can race yeah. like a couple of Super 2s. It's nuts. Wow. What do you think of, obviously, you've seen um, Tom Williamson yeah. run Tom, his, yep. his go-kart team straight to supercars. Do you think... Best program. Do you Such a good that's idea. a great program? Yeah. Obviously, every program needs... The budget, like every driver has to bring a budget. 
you know, the program's only as good as the budget it brings. So BJR isn't going to go roll a Super 3 out for free and Tom's not going to go to the track for free. So if you got a couple of drivers that I know, Ellie Morrow, Mor- yep. is that yep. his she's, she's in your field this weekend. Yeah, she's yep. in Super 3 this weekend. Um, she's with has been with Tom doing the KZ2 and then Super 3, but, you know, she's been testing all year. And that, I've always said, I reckon it's the smartest thing because you've only got a very short time to make an impact to bigger teams. And that's something that I have never been able to do because – I don't have the money to make an impact. I have to plot along over the years to build up the team. But for someone like Ellie to do that, and I think there's another young dude is that's there Jackson Harlow? Susan Jack- ha- is yeah. he coming through the ranks or is there someone else through Tom's program that's coming through? Jackson's done a test day. I've yep. got a f- story about Jackson. You can, yep. you can tell about after yep. Ellie or oh, I'm pretty, I'm pretty uh, cool with that. So Jackson, when I was racing Speedway, I got a podium. It wasn't when I got first. I think it was when I got third yep. in sprint cars. And I only ever keep one trophy from a class, and then I used to give them away. So if I had a first, the second and thirds can be given away. So I had a first prior, and then I had a third afterwards. And as I was walking from the podium, I gave a kid a trophy. And then a year or two later, I'm at the go-kart track. And What year was this? Like 2009, 2010? Uh, I was 18, yeah, 9, 10. Was, yeah, like track, was it a track day? Like, a, you know, obviously a club day? Or was it a World think. Series or was it a World Series race back then? Uh, no, I was a podium on like a club day. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So because the first podium at Parramatta was a B, my first win was the BBX 10,000, which was when the Americans were over. And then I didn't get one for ages. Then it was a third, which is like a club day. I call it club days. Yeah, club shows. Yeah. yeah. So it was just a club show. And I gave this kid a trophy and I was at the track and he's like, oh, hey, I don't think you remember us, but you gave my son a trophy and now we're go-karting. And that was Jackson Susan Harlow. And it's funny, it's such a small thing, but that's actually probably one of my highlights of my career because I know such a small thing has made him, probably his dad's hate me because he's broke, he's going to be broke for going <laughs> racing. But such a small thing has now made him, he's now racing, he's one of Australia's best X30 drivers that made him progress into speedway, in, into cars. Yeah. And hopefully, like I'd love to see him into cars, but you know, it's full budgets and stuff like that, but he's a good driver and he's going really well. So that was a little side story about Jackson. Well, you were talking about, obviously, the Americans. Now, now because of COVID, they can't come over. I, mean, yep. I think they're trying to bring them back over now. What was it like racing sprint cars back then with the big crowds? Was it overwhelming for you? And, like, do you remember, like, did you idolise Kinzer and those blokes back then? Or did you just think of them as just, like, another competitor? Like, to me, when I race myself, I just think, you know what, they're just another competitor. I won't get too starstruck by them, you know? Like, for you back then in sprint cars, obviously – there's a lot of merchandise going around yeah. and that type of thing. Yeah. Were you, did you, were you even tempted to like buy their shirts while you were oh, racing? 100%. Yeah. You were. Yeah. Okay. So that's why my car's green. That's why all my stuff's green. Steve Kinzer. Yeah, right. So okay. Speedway used to be, oh, still are very paranoid with colours. Can't eat chicken. No green stuff. And someone said, oh, you can't have a green car. You know, it's unlucky. And I was like, well, Steve Kinzer's like 20 time world champion. All green cars. Yeah. So screw you, I'm going green. <laughs> that's why we're green. And I've stayed green. But I don't know. Like, I've always looked up to those sort of guys, but I've never really got starstruck as such either. And, you know, Brooke Tatnall was always really yeah. good to chat to. I've got his suit. I've got his Shell Helix suit in my shed, signed. Um, you even wore that, didn't you? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah I actually <laughs> wore that. I actually was wearing it, and I walked to him and said, can you sign my suit? And he's like, I love that suit. Don't regret ruin it. <laughs> <laughs> That's bloody yeah. awesome. Yeah, so, I might, so um, I might set it, because that was his, his last suit before he stopped racing for his dad. So it's a bit of a special one to him. So I don't know, like I've, I've always thought I was a bit weird when I went to the go-kart, or just any track, because I rarely have emotion. I don't get nervous, you know, when I see someone that's heats, I know their heat's better than me, but I don't, I don't get giddy or anything like that. So I've never really been like that, but I've always been impressed by people. Like when I'm out on the track, so like I remember at Parramatta one day, um, I thought I was on the high line and Donnie Schultz went around the outside of me and I'm like, I thought I was on the high line and he went around the outside of me. So there's just levels and you know, that's where I sort of get that Holy shit, that and, guy! And those cool. cars were yeah. actually like they're like extra spare cars from the states that they'll bring yeah. over here. Yeah, they weren't nuts. they weren't any good, but no. they were they were still beating us like you guys and oh, the other local us. talent, Sam yeah. Walsh and that. Yeah, just around the outside yeah. and just driving like a maniac. Another dude I rate massively, Sammy Walsh. To be out of the seat as long as he was on the sidelines with no sponsors and shit, to then getting that that rocket deal, and mm. you could just see the change. Like I think he's one of the blokes. If you were to get him when he was younger and send to the states full time, he'd be full time for sure. Do you reckon he'd have a story like you? Should I bring him into the studio? Yeah, he'd be good actually. Yeah. yeah. 
yeah, yeah. He's a nice dude. Yeah, really nice dude. Yeah, hopefully he hears this. Yeah, 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 100%. Yeah, no, he's a, he's a, I, I think Sammy was slightly older than me in go-karts as well. Yeah, you guys were racing as I was just coming in, and I remember back then you had to sign in, you know, you wait in line at, at the That's local right. kart yeah, track, and yeah, all yeah. us guys would line in to sign into yeah, the, yeah. you know, and enter yep. for the, you could enter on the day back. That's right, I remember yeah. that. Yeah, you didn't have to do it online. I don't know if that'd be a good thing again or not, because... People look at the entry list online now and be like, ah, there's only four entry, I won't go. To be honest, it's a bit of a sh- like, I found it a bit of a shit show when I had to enter for last weekend's race at, in Formula Ford. Like, there was like, uh, you would have had the same thing. Obviously, you're in supercars. But there was about like 20 forms to sign online. Oh, man. And mate. it's just a total shit show. You're spending yeah. half your day just signing away all this stuff. I said to supercars the other day, I was like, mate, I need a PA just to do your paperwork. Like, I'm at the track. It's just me and dad and the crew. And they said, oh, if, you know, we emailed you something. I was like, who the fuck looks at their emails while they're trying to run a supercar team? Like, I don't just sit in my truck on my laptop doing my thing. And that's probably the next the stage that I'm struggling with is just mm. that next level up is everything's – and I understand where supercars come from. They do everything really well, but it's probably a little bit too professional. To yeah. try and entice smaller teams in is probably a little bit too far. Like, it takes us – a day just to set up because we're gonna have pit walling and i again i understand why they do it because it looks really nice it's very professional but for us to set up pit walling and do all these other things it's like just cost and time yeah. and unfortunately with all that stuff is extra manual labor you know persons might cost you an extra five grand for the weekend by the time you fly them up somewhere it, like i said it the paperwork and that's hard, but I can sort of understand it as well. Like, obviously, now Supercars is obviously bringing in the new owners. I think it's called Race, I think. Yeah, from, ARG. From, and yeah, ARG. Yep. Yeah, yep. so they've teamed up. Going forward, because they've obviously got a lot of privateers in the ARG ranks. Yep. Do you have any ideas, like this is for me even, I'd love to blog about it, to get guys like you to get a main game start essentially as a wild card? Because obviously at the moment it's too expensive. You've got like, you know, the Kostecki brothers, you know, one Tickford car. How do you reckon they should go about it going forward? Obviously now, because you, you went to Gary Rogers' shop, do you reckon they'll have a game plan to bring more cars on the grid or do you reckon it will stay the way it is just for commercial point? Oh, I think it'll probably stay. Yeah. I think it'll stay only maybe with a Gen 3 car. It might change, but next year won't change. It, it depends. Like I always say that the 300 grand mark or the 350 grand mark is the tipping point because yeah. you can get privateers that a Porsche is 350, like a 992 Cup car, 350 or 400, but yeah. they're not 700. Yep. So you get privateers that go, oh, I could buy a cup car for 350, 400, and I could race seven times a year, but why would I go pay one for 700 and only race three times a year? So I think if they can get drop the price of the cars to the 350, 400 mark, and then hopefully that will, and then just allow wild cards with no money mm-hmm. involved. So as long as they don't touch the purses, I think they should, but whether or not they do or not, it's a hard thing. They carry on about, I think when Jack Smith moved up to, remember when he done a few wild cards? Yeah, yeah. And like, yeah. Winterbottom was like, oh, he balked me here or he done that. It's like, who gives a shit? Like, I understand it's his job and I might not even be, it was someone that was getting upset because he was in the way. But if you don't allow these kids to do that, to progress through, when are they going to do it? Not that long ago, there was 50 cars on the grid and there was a Toyota Corolla and an XD Falcon at the front. And there was like 70 cars at Bathurst back Yeah, in the exactly. Day. And it was dealt with. It's just something you've got to deal with. I know it sucks, but if you have 10 privateers holding up a few drivers, mm. then... You know, it's part of the act. It's part of the, it's like spring cars. You know, the leader by lap five is lapping the back of the field. If you, if the leader comes, is like, oh man, by lap five, I was in traffic. I think they should have to pull in. By the end of the A main, there'll be three cars on the track. It makes, makes racing way more exciting, I think. 100%. More cars on the grid. Yeah. And that's what I said to you off air. Like, I'm more excited to watch you race this weekend. Purely because it's just, you know, David versus Goliath in a way. Yeah, do you know what yeah. I mean? Like you're versing guys like Brock Feeney. And Triple Eight, Tickford. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, all those guys who are at the front who've got like the top equipment. And yep. then there's you in that field who can still punch above his weight and get, you know, within the top five, top six. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like you were out there yesterday. I don't know exactly what you were doing out there yesterday. You are probably just unpacking and unloading. But, you know, looking at your stuff when you're out there to the equipment across the road, do you think, holy shit, would you give up your own team to race Hundred percent. You would. Yeah. Yeah. Someone come to me with a budget, I'd be like, "See a team. I'm out." Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Hundred yeah, percent. Yeah. Yeah. At least once, I'd like it one year to prove what we can do, and it's nothing against Brock, but he's done it smart. Where he's jumped in with Paul, spent his money with Paul, jumped in with Triple Eight, spent his money with Triple Eight, and in two years, 
he's now in a main game drive because he's just progressed in the right way. But obviously that would cost money. So it's one of those things that I would love just to prove once that I can do it. Not necessarily because I've come to the grips that I'll never become a main game driver. I'm too old now. But not necessarily to for my own pleasure, but just to prove that you've got so many people out there that can possibly do it, but you've only got maybe five cars in a whole of Australia that can prove that you're one, you're a good driver. It makes yeah. no sense. It frustrates me. And it's sort of like I went to the AIS for Speedway um, years ago and there was a guy there that raced fender benders. Dude, he was an athlete. But because of the class he raced, he was defined as not as good of a driver. Do you remember his sprint. name? No, I don't. Oh, you don't Wish remember. I did. Yeah. <laughs> no, nah, nah. but like he was defined as a less of a driver because of the class he races. Yeah, right. But he could. you reckon he could go toe-to-toe with you back then in a sprint car? Oh, without a doubt. Without, yeah. I don't think there's heaps of people that could go toe-to-toe with the best of the best if they've got the opportunity. Yeah. I guess it's the opportunity is the thing that's disappointing in motorsport these days is it's just not there. It's it's clearly showing in, obviously, NASCAR, Supercar and Formula 1 at the moment. Like, obviously, Formula 1 these days is getting to the point where, like, the guy from Formula 2 has the most cash in F2 goes and takes 100%. the seat. Like, you know, yeah. Joe just took the seat in Alfa Romeo. Yeah, yeah. Everyone expected that. Who is well, that dude? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know who he is and he's racing Formula 1. Yeah, see, yeah. that's what I'm talking yeah. about. Like, yeah, it's just... That, again, is commercial aspect. Obviously... For him, John, he's, he's just a commercial thing for China. Yeah. Obviously, for you, you've come to grips with not wanting to do it. But for you, ideally, you'd love to do maybe like a wild card Bathurst start. That oh, could probably be your goal. Yeah, you 100%. I mean? Yeah. If I could legitimately become a co-driver for a year, and when I say legitimate, like I mean not have to pay, there's always opportunity. You're like a Warren Luff type of thing. Yeah. There's always opportunity to be a co-driver if you want to pay a bit of dollars. If someone genuinely said, hey, John, I think you've got the talent to have a co-drive, that's where I would like to be. But it's just everything's so expensive and it's no different to Super 2. Like everything's so expensive to run, hence why there's no juniors coming in and going, I want to buy a Super 2 car. Why would you? And then because you don't want to pay in the Super 2, you can't prove to those bigger teams what you can do. I just, you know, it's just disappointing. I just, I'd love to see change in that aspect. Like as much as motorsport's great, I love it, but there's too much commercial. Someone's always making money, whether it's a person selling the brakes, the bodies, the importer of the cars. There's always someone trying to dictate how the sport goes. Mm. And often, more often than not, it goes in the direction of the person selling stuff than the person that's going to benefit for the cost. Over the next couple of years, I'd just love to see the cost drop. So you've got more opportunity for young guys that want to, move up or maybe do their own own team apparently like obviously yesterday online there was like i think our community there's 8.6 billion dollars in it yeah and as you said where's the money go honestly if we could do it a bit like america in my point of view and just give some purse away to each class yeah that'd be fantastic because that would encourage the guys to you know make the next level up the next thing i'm going to bring up is um aussie driver search oh fuck yeah <laughs> so aussie driver what search a success that was yeah <laughs> What was your experience about it and how do you reckon they could have gone about it? I think the program could have went really well. I think the only downfall, and again, this is nothing against Kyle, but the downfall was he just overcapitalized. Like for me, if someone says you can drive a 996 cup car that's worth 60 grand or a $600,000 Audi, I, I wouldn't have cared if it was a $60,000 cup car at that point because I'm racing go-karts or whatever, whatever it was. So you overcapitalized. I think the biggest thing... I would have probably got out of it was the first stage I thought was brilliant. It sort of filters everyone through. Everyone gets a drive, uh, utes and 86s and all that shit. But I reckon the final round probably should have been a bit more selective. So, you know, you get the top 10 drivers. To give the top 10 drivers a supercar and say, go do a fast lap, it's not representative of what a team wants. Yeah, because the track conditions change. That and if you go spearing down the, down the thing trying to, you know, it might be a metre or so different in terms of braking and you're 10th up. And that might 10th might be the reason you get a Super 2 drive or not. I think if you were to be more selective with, say, the top 10 and then have like an engineer and a team to go through that process with someone, I think it would have worked. So the thing with um, Dean Cantor, did that come through Aussie Driver Search or was that beforehand? No, beforehand. You were, you were mates yeah. beforehand. Yeah, so I used, when I raced Porsches, I met him through some driver training programs I used to do. So I used to fly around and help the AMs and I met him through that and then he took me out in 86. Do you remember that? In 86? Yeah. In so the Aussie driver search? No, no, no. So I'm racing 86s at Sydney and he's, remember when Crompton had that, they used to go from driver to pit to. Was that Homebush? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, 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 Homebush yeah. at Sydney Motorsport Park. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they used to talk from like the driver to the commentators. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I remember that. Yeah. Coming up into corporate. Oh, the left-hander before corporate, he was talking to old mate. I don't know if this is a factor. I'm going to say it's a factor. Yeah. And he's clipped the back of me 
and spun me around and yeah. spun me in front of the field and I just got collected. Yeah. So was, that's how we sort of... <laughs> Became mates yeah, through got a big accident. Yeah, through the accident. <laughs> and and that's... Uh, typical motorsport way. Oh, right? mate. And then Scafey turns around at a driver's brief and he's like, who does flick spins? <laughs> I only done a flick spin because your driver took me out, mate. What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't do these things on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that was actually my last race in 80. Oh, no, I did Bathurst. But I only did two races in 86 because I hated that class. Yeah, that's the other thing I was going to bring up. You did a lot of one-offs. And another thing, I think you raced an Aussie race car for Scott Taylor. That came about. And I was actually excited to watch you that weekend. Yeah. I was on the fence. And you were absolutely smashing it that weekend. Yeah. You'd never I driven did that it, car. didn't even know how to turn it on. Yeah, I sat in it that day and I was like, Firstly, Scotty, if he does listen, I'd love like he's Probably the old blokes that yeah, listen to social media. No, but if he <laughs> he's honestly one of the most genuine people in motorsport. He'll help anyone. And he yeah. doesn't want anything for it. That's the best thing about it. Like he's just the nicest dude. And one guy said to me, Everyone has an angle. Everyone helps you because they've got an angle. Or something happens because they've got an angle. But Scott, I believe, he didn't have an angle. He just just a genuine nice guy. So, but yeah, he just rang me and said, do you want to do uh, Bathurst? And I said, yep. Didn't know how to start it. Didn't know how to do nothing. Never driven one. Never been to Bathurst. And right. we were fighting for the lead in the last race. So that was pretty cool. And then because of that, he asked me to do... Did you know I did Phillip Island the round after? No, I didn't know. Yeah. So, and I actually won that round. And the only deal, the only, the only thing he asked me is if I won that round, I had to give him the trophy. So, mate, right. you're paying the bill. Of course you can. <laughs> and this is how good of a bloke he is. He's like, I rang him and was like, oh, he's like, oh, I can't believe you won. And I say, yep, let me know. I'll put the trophy in the car and it'll be there for when you get it. He goes, no, nah, you keep that trophy. I'm going to get the category to build me one. So he didn't even take the trophy that he wanted. Where's he been lately? Uh, the thing for me is the last time I remember seeing his team at the track was at Bathurst when Van Gisbergen slammed Had the door. Had a big hissy fit. Yeah. yeah. Was that, where, what's happened to his team? Or what's happened to his race? Has he lost a passion for car racing because of like, obviously the, the pros? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I won't put words in his mouth, but it yeah. seems that way. It mm. seems like he was building, building, building. And he just got to that point where I think he's just filtering back doing his own stuff these days. Like he's got the world's best race shop. should see it. It's got a pool. It's got a sky bar. I went to, it was supposed to be his grand opening for his shop and it was a black tie event and it ended up being his wedding. And you walked in and it's crazy little foyer. And then you go a little bit further and there's like a gym upstairs and he paid a dude to swim in scuba gear up and down this pool and the, <laughs> and the, and the pool was lit up. Yeah. And I was like, what well, the fuck's up there? These dudes just swimming. And I thought it was just a, like a member of the, of the thing. And he was just swimming up and back and forth in a scuba gear. From there, there's like a glass walkway in this factory. I'm surprised he didn't have any stripper poles or anything like that. <laughs> oh, if, I, yeah. <laughs> I, reckon, I reckon it was like a poker night. He probably, probably would, but it was a wedding. And then they got like a sky bar at yep. the top. The coolest part is, so he was in leasing. So he leased cars. You know how you have like toy cars and you sit them on your bench? He's got real cars. And he puts them on a rack and then they bend. So he puts them on a rack and then they actually tilt. So they're sitting there like a mental piece. Yeah, right. So you've got like cup cars, Mercedes, all this shit. And then in the top corner, there's a Mitsubishi Magna. I'm like, why is there a Magna sitting next to like these, like Craig Leon's cars and stuff? Yeah. And he's is like, that like a road car or is it like a race car Mitsubishi Magna? No, a full road car. Looks brand new. And, <laughs> and he's like, that was the first car I ever leased. And I was like, that's so cool. Like he's just, he's just that sort of dude. But yeah, his his workshop could have the best supercar or GT team around, I reckon. Yeah, and he's smart. Like he's such a good businessman, he could do it. It's just a matter of he's at that point in life where would he need to? If he if he had a good a good group of people around, I reckon he could have the one of the best teams in Australia for sure. Did he ever ask you to like compete in the Bathurst Twelve era or anything like that? Like, no, no, no. I think the one thing I've always been bad at in my whole career is I've never asked either, and I don't know why. Maybe I'm just shy, but I've never asked for a drive ever in my life. And I think that might might have hindered me. I don't know. Maybe maybe he just wanted really good drivers in, like a Van Gears or something like that. But, yeah, I've never gone down that route. I've had offers in other teams, but there's always, like, hey, I've got a cup car or I've got something, but it's going to cost you 60 grand. <laughs> I don't have 60 grand. <laughs> how got, many, how many, many cup cars did you actually – because I remember the, the yellow one. That you yeah, raised. that's the original one. That's the, the original Peter one. Fitz Gerald's car. Do you know who's got that now? Yes, or? I do, actually. Uh, it went to northern Queensland, and he still got it up there, but he's doing a lot of Targa stuff, so it's still sitting there. And that's when I bought the second cup car off Shea Davies, the 011 car. And yeah. you raced back then 
Obviously, you make a mean ham and cheese sandwich, but you actually raced, <laughs> actually, yeah. actually raced Matt Campbell Matt back Campbell. then. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That was that post that you're talking about? Yeah, that's yeah. the post that yeah. I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. Someone went on to racing over in Europe and I can make a ham and cheese sandwich. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Matt's a good dude. He's We offer him yeah. when he gets to, gets here at Sydney. Do we yeah. actually the we ham, offer and him cheese. ham and cheese sandwich? Mate, you'll have to pay for it. He'll be on a lot more money than I am now. <laughs> I'll be charging him extra for the ham and cheese. No, it was good. Like, like it was... I was listening to a podcast with Andy the other day, Andy McRae, and he was saying that, so Matty Campbell was a B-class driver and he moved up to A-class for one round and essentially him kicking my ass as well as he did elevated him to get the um, backing from his sponsor, not sponsor, what do they do? They've done like a, um, a share, so essentially you buy shares in Matty. That's how they started that program because he kicked my ass in that race. So essentially him kicking your ass elevated his career to where he's now? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Prick. <laughs> No, it's good. I think when you hear those stories, I think that program works through Porsche because you got the wealthy AM drivers. I push a lot of juniors down that way because you do, you have a lot of wealthy AM drivers in that area. If you can impress those guys, that's where you get the investment. And again, that's probably where I went wrong. I probably should have just put all my money into going to someone like Andy Macaray or, a, you know, Buick or something like that and trying to impress in one or two years. But unfortunately, I didn't have that money and I had to build up like... Shit that you just think about now that makes no sense. Like, I used to wear the outsides of my tyres out on the cup car. So, fuck all camber. And I thought it was normal. I used to go to Prelly and say, can you switch my tyres around because the outside's wearing out? He's like, dude, that's not normal. I was like, well, how do I change it? <laughs> i got, I got no idea how to change it. <laughs> so, you know, if you look back, what I knew back then, mm. you know, it's like anything. You'd love to go back and go, oh, fuck, like you'd probably dominate. But at that stage, that's all we knew, just me and Dad. Didn't even know how to patch a car. The last time we were like, more closer, and I'd seen you before. You were with um your ex-wife now, Beck. Yep. What happened there? Did she um? Did, was that due to just differences in life, or did she just did she just get the shits with car racing and she wanted to go in a different direction? She was a cop, yeah. wasn't she? She is a cop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah pretty much like there's oh, heaps of factors, but you know, with my business and then uh, with racing, my family had a bit of, bit of a issue, so she never come away with me. So then, by the time I would go away for a week at a time, six times a year it would just fracture and fracture and fracture. And we got to the point where we just weren't doing anything together. You know, she'd become a cop. She she had her friends that are, were cops and they would do their own thing. And it just got to the point where it was like, well, what are we doing? So we, we moved on and now got a beautiful little stepdaughter and a little boy on the way. Um, so, yeah, it's been yeah, it's been good to move on. And it's um, certainly made that, again, nothing against back, you know, relationships fall apart, but it made that 12 months of racing pretty miserable because I'd go away and I'd be worried about what she was thinking and then you'd come home and it would always reflect badly because, you know, you weren't there, you weren't given, yeah, you know, the a race week. Yeah, yeah, the sports, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. It was difficult for sure. And a friend of mine, actually just before the divorce, he said to dad, he goes, oh, it was at Sydney. Actually, it was probably 12 months ago. He goes, geez, John wasn't happy at Sydney, was he? Dad was like, oh, I didn't notice. And that was just after, just before we caught it quits. So, it was, yeah, crazy. Your dad and your mum are full into your, your car race. Nuts. I love, I love the support that yeah. they show on social media, especially dad when I've seen him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think I went to your 18th birthday. Oh, yeah. <laughs> was I wearing a dress? Yeah, you were. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> i got some photos. I'll yeah, show you that, that one. That was a yeah. wild night. That was a big um, night, yeah. Yeah, that was good fun. But, yeah, your parents are full into your car racing. Your dad is the most committed racing dad. Obviously, you are a privateer. Yeah, probably too committed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He will go out of his way for his son. And yeah. That, no, he, hands down for yeah. sure. You know, without him, I wouldn't be able to do it. The car sits at his place and he's not the sort of dad, like he definitely funds it. Like he, he sold an XY Falcon for me to buy my second supercar. So, you know, when we get out of it, I've got to find a super <laughs> an XY, I've got to buy him back. But, you know, they're the things that people don't see, but definitely committed. But I am at that point now where... I see how hard it is on him. You know, he's got a lot of work commitments and he's getting older. He's an old bastard now. So I'm trying to make it easier on him, but he can still come right and help and do everything he needs to do, but just make it a little bit easier. So if, if I can make that easier the next year or two, that'd be, be definitely my goal. What's he do for a crust? Exact same as me, locator. So yeah, service locator. So that's how I got into the industry. So which works out really well because of the sponsorship. I'm a certified locator, so I can go to their functions and talk about all the processes. And it's not like other drivers where they, um, they're they sponsored by whatever it is, tampons or condoms or whatever. And like, oh, I'm sponsored by these people, but they don't really know the ins and outs where I'm a part of that industry. And, um, you know, still nervous as all hell when I go into those places. But over the years, I've learned that talking to those guys, they're no different to me. They all like to have a beer and have a chat and it's pretty casual. 
we even touched on like your junior wingless type of stuff back yep. then. We we aiming back then, like for me when I was racing carts and stuff like that, I'd be itching to get the top three in the points. But in I never raced speedway, so for you, would it be all about turning up to the next show, or were you just turning up for fun and just having a crack at a win? I was actually one of the oh, I think I was the first registered wingless car in New South Wales when I bought my first wingless car. It was from Mark Blyton in Dubbo. To put that car together, me and Dad had a speedway magazine, and as there was photos of cars flipping. I'd be like, oh, that's where that arm goes. <laughs> <laughs> that's how that diff goes, yeah. Just full cowboy. Oh, no idea. Absolutely no idea. Uh, but to answer your question, we would just go day by day. Wingless was great. $200 motor, old second-hand tyres. You could race every weekend. It probably cost you less than a go-kart. I don't know what it's like now, but it's it was cheap. So we would try and turn up to every race meeting. And because we are trying to establish that club at that point, we wanted to do as many as we can. And eventually we fell out with that club, so we moved on to sprint cars. Had an argument with some dude. An official said that I'd abused him on the grid. Anyways, they had a full-on like inquiry of some shit in someone's shed about kicking me out. And I said, oh, that's right, fellas. I've got an in-car camera. I'll send you the link. <laughs> <laughs> and then after that, they shut up? Oh, I said, I told them to go fuck themselves and moved on. That was the actual tipping point to moving on to sprint cars. And I think your first thing out of... Dirt was um, saloon cars. Is that the first thing you had a crack at out, yeah. of, out of it? Yeah, and that was thanks to Dog Before You Dig. Mm. So through the sponsorship through Sprint Cars, they also had the saloon car program. I went down and raced saloon cars. Never driven it before. Pissed down rain all weekend. Oh, actually, no. Sorry. I tell a lie. I done a practice day at Sydney. And then I rocked up and raced saloon cars, which was cool. I think I was at that point where I must have just been a little bit over Speedway because thinking about it now, going from Speedway with even if you had a couple of thousand people in the crowd or a thousand people in the crowd, the atmosphere was pretty cool. Going from that to a saloon car race at Phillip Island in the wet with no one watching, but it still excited me. I don't really know why. Maybe I was just over spring cars at that point. And there was a lot of factors in that, you know, with blowing up engines and all that sort of stuff. I think the biggest thing with spring cars, though, why I wanted to go that way is because I'd won a, won a race, the 10,000 to win, and I felt like the next stage was, un, like I probably couldn't get to that next stage with the budget I had. And I couldn't get any more sponsorship because there was no TV. So that's where the saloon car stuff started coming in. And that's where I seen Porsches for the first time. Yeah, right. Because that was the whole Shannon's Nationals thing. Yeah. So there was saloon cars, Porsches, and supercars. Uh, super three, Viet touring cars. And do you remember Josh Hunter? I think Josh I Hunter. do. I yeah. do. What, what's happened to him? He's he just, was. He's just gone off the map. He was a good driver. He's done yeah. Super 3 at one stage, didn't he? Done Super 2 as well. Yeah. Yeah, with um, Morris Pickering. Yeah. He's backer. Mm. Uh, easy Finance. Easy Finance. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so he... Um, I always remember those cars by yeah, the colour. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was actually thinking about him before. Mar Maurice? Is it Maurice or Maurice? Yeah, yeah Maurice. So, yeah. It's Maurice. Maurice um, Pickering. Pickering. Yeah. Like, where did he go? Just, Massive commitment yeah. into motorsport. And like then WPS, just... Just disappeared, map. just went, no, nah, I'm done <laughs> with this shit. But um, I've got him on Facebook, but I've just never asked a question. Not many people reply to me, but I always ask questions on socials and shit to like drivers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like to do that. That's yeah. how I started this podcast. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I just started, I just randomly um asked a few questions to people on social media. And obviously I asked it actually at a DSO meeting at one of my Formula Ford meetings. Yeah. And I got talking to um Stephen White, who's going to be a guest on here. And he was telling me a story and I said, you know what? Save it. I'll just create a podcast shut, and shut, go from shut there. Your mouth. Shut your mouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, uh, you've put this up to your lips. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, for this weekend, you've got 30, I think it's 32 cars on the grid. Yeah, it's going to be pretty cool. If it rains, it's going to be pretty crazy. Yeah. Do you reckon you can get up there in the wet? No idea. I'd like to, in the BF, I know the BF, mate, I was unstoppable. Like, mm. I was easy out in front by seconds. But then I had a race at Sandown in the old FG, and I really struggled in that one. But another new car, so who knows? It's hard being a privateer in that situation because sometimes you're super quick, but there's a lot of risk involved. And to ride it off, we've got eight days between leaving Sydney and bumping into Bathurst. So it's going to be risk-reward. Would you be tempted to, um, obviously this weekend, I think they've, I think they've got the S5000s at the track as well. Yeah, sign me up. If you I want to do budget, it, that's I'm what I was going to ask next. 100%. Yep. You want to have yep. a crack at the S5000s? Yep. 100%. Yeah, I like things that excite me. Like, I get to a point, like with anything, and when I get familiarised, it's fun. Don't worry, I love it, every part of it. But when I try something different, and it doesn't matter if it's just a go-kart or a... Anything, as long as it's different, it excites me. And then I seen S5000, I was like, big power, hardly any tyre, and a bit of aero. And I thought the aero thing would be cool because I never got to do the F3 aero or anything like that. But I've done sprint cars with aero. So I think I'd have the mindset, all right, to do it. So I'd love to, yeah. Have you spoken to any of the drivers like Joey or Braden Wilmington or something no. like that about going about it if you did? Because I'm pretty sure they are keen to get more guys on the grid. Yeah, you know? I'd definitely do it. I think Boise's going to do it this weekend. Yep. Jordan Boyce. 
and he's pitted next to me in Super 2. I think that's a big ask, doing mm-hmm. S5000 and Super 2 in one hit in one weekend. That's a huge ask. So if he goes well, that'll be a big, big up for him. Every time I see guys trying to double up, yeah. it reminds me of the go-kart days when you go like junior heavy and junior club and all. Yeah. Dude, just to get exhausted. I done that at the state titles at ACT this year. I was like, I'm going to run. Because I won the heavy title last year in go-karts. And then I was like, fuck. And I didn't even, like, I wasn't even, not, not trying, but I didn't really think I was going to go well. So I was like, I'm going to try this time and I'm going to win two. Just ruined my whole weekend because lights, I was terrible. Just couldn't get the setup right. And then because I'd spent all weekend trying to get the light cart right, I got into the heavies and I still got second. It was a good weekend, but I was just, P nowhere. So now I just realised you've got to focus on one thing. I remember texting, um, he's probably one of the only dudes that's ever written back to me, like a high up Paul Morris. And I said to Paul, I was like, I'm broke, bitch. I've got X amount of money. Like, what direction should I do? Should I go back to Speedway and try and make it big and mm. back in Speedway? Should I try and progress into thing? And his reply was simply, he said, whatever you do, just do it well. It makes sense. There's no point half assing something. So I, I've always taken that advice on those few years I talked have, to him. Have about. you actually gone to his training camp up there? Or, or no, I'd like to though. You would? Yeah, okay. 100%. Why is it the reason that all these guys are out there? You, is it just because you're more introverted than, you know, say myself or someone else who's more extroverted and would ask? Like obviously you, you send them a lot of requests, but yeah. is it maybe the way they think about it is you're the privateer and you like to do your own thing? That's how I yeah. thought about it. That's why I want to bring you in. Yeah, you know? 100%. Oh, that's probably... And it's like, again, the other way is like these, all these guys are in business. So mm. if, you know, time's money, if they think I'm wasting their time and they, they're not going to make anything out of me, probably wouldn't reply to me either. And that's probably where I've, it's only very small questions, but that's when I know I don't have the cash to ask someone or do something, I just won't ask. So I'll try to, try to hold off. But that's what one thing I'll, I'll give to Paul is he's always been, you know, we don't talk or anything. Like, it's not mm. like we're best buddies or anything, but for him to reply to me that day was a big thing for me. Unless he replies to you, he doesn't even accept me on Facebook. Fuck so prick. I'll hit him up. <laughs> I, um, even like a while ago, I was thinking about moving into like team ownership instead of driving because yep. I've got the infrastructure, it's there. And I, so I messaged, oh, what's his name? He owns Team Sydney. Oh, Jonathan Webb. Jonathan Webb messaged yep. him. I was like, hey, man. And it was a question, and it wasn't like I was, it was something to make money out of me or anything like that. I was just like, hey, how did you decide when it was time? He's got enough cash, he could race forever. Yeah, yeah. But when was it time? Like, how did you know that I wanted to stop racing and be a team owner? And I was just curious because, you know, I had that mindset at that point. And um, I seen red, nothing. I was like, fuck you, prick. I hope you want, <laughs> I hope, I hope you want something out of me one day because I'm not going <laughs> to reply to you. <laughs> I know he wouldn't care less. He would, yeah. he, he'll never need anything out of me. But by doing that, it's made me realise even if I'm tired and cranky and don't want to message someone back, it might mean something to him because it did. If, if I could reply to him, it would have meant a lot to me. You're talking about being a team owner. How would you start a team? Would you do it kind of like obviously the go kart thing, the Tom Tom Williamson way, or yep. would you do or would you do from like you know eighty sixes to a supercar, like have two cars? To- Good question. Yeah, I've thought about it. Mm. I guess the hard thing is again, I reckon that you're better off having a if you do the carts of cars, you get people involved. Like if you have say techno techno carts, mm-hmm. they do karting really well. So there's no point me having a cart team and trying to ver- go up against them. So you'd say, okay, go with these guys. I'll be a part of it. Or, you know, Formula Ford. I know Cameron Hill's got a really good Formula Ford team. Go to them. Because there's no point me trying to do all that other stuff and doing it half ass. But I'd like to one day have a really good Super 2 team. Because you know, like, if you sign up with Matty White, there's no reason why you can't win. Well, maybe we can team up in that aspect and I can do the Formula done. Ford thing. And yeah, done. We'll, we'll make millions. <laughs> you can have the Super 2 yeah, part. Yeah. <laughs> Super 3, Super yeah. 2. But I guess the hard thing for me is... I need to get to that point and I need to show results before I can justify putting a dollar amount saying, yeah. come with me because uh, you might win. And that's where I'm at as a driver is I need to prove my equipment's good and my crew's good because then might, maybe one day I might be able to lease that car out. What do you think about our mate Brad Caddy? He's actually doing his own go-karting and Formula Ford and engineering. Did you I've seen that Formula Ford thing. I didn't know yeah. what he was doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is he doing um, that for juniors he, or himself? He's or? doing that for Duratech and I'm actually going to supposedly test it for him. Oh, cool. So that's because yeah. that's obviously I'm a driver in Formula Ford yeah. right now and yeah. stuff like that. So yeah. he got you involved in setting up his go-karting business. BC car. Yeah. 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 Is he from your way? Is he? No, I think he's from Tamworth. Yeah, miles okay. away. It's like six hours away. Yeah. I thought he was just next door. No. Oh, I think originally he was. Yeah. So... Uh, I think his old man's from Bathurst to Orange and then, but he's moved up north and I live in Orange. So we done a test day at Lithgow to try out his new cart. I don't know if he's building carts anymore now though. Yeah. I think, I think he's, he's one of the engineering part yeah, of cars and of cars stuff. And that, yeah. yeah. He's just doing the Evo cart thing, but it's a good concept. I like the idea, you know, there's smart people out there, but that's what I mean. Like that's a good idea, but about people have their certain things. 
you know, there'd be no point him ringing me and saying, can you jump in a Formula Ford? Because I'd be useless. That's why you get you involved. Because <laughs> you're good in a Formula Ford. Yeah. Everyone has their thing that they're good at. So I think as long as you go with the right people at the right time, your career is always going to go up. But it, the worst thing, again, is, you know, a gear, a, an engine in my car is $60,000 or $70,000. I'd love to put a kid in there that has no budget, but how am I going to pay for that rebuild of that engine? So we need to bring down the cost of Super 2 and the higher level classes so you potentially we can bring those kids in. And that's why I always think at cost because one day I won't be doing it, but I want to bring other people in. And, you, you know, Super 2 at the high level is 600 grand, 70 grand around. You're obviously doing a bit of scouting with the techno thing going on now and the BC cart. Is there any kids that have caught your eye? To be honest with you, I won't say the names at the moment mm. because the biggest thing for me is not just their results on track, but I want to be in their tent when they come in. Yeah, you don't want to pump up their tyres. Yeah, much. yeah, true. Yeah. But I, but I want to be in, I want to be in their tent when they come in. If they come in with a bad attitude because they're a tenth off the pace, their whole career is done. You know, like it's it's all about the attitude you bring. If you have got a shit attitude, and someone's got a good attitude, it's got a bit more money. They're going to get the drive over you. There is, like I said, there's definitely a lot of kids that I watch, especially in the juniors ranks. That I think, holy shit, they're going to be. I can't believe the amount of money they're spending. Huge, huge <laughs> money. Ridiculous. Yeah, massive money. <laughs> you know, like Jackson Susan Harley. He's yeah. you know he's a good good kid. Uh, you know, someone like him could go quite well. I haven't been to AKC for a while, but just looking at the results, there's that young bloke in Junior Max, uh, Costa. You know, he's going really well. There's definitely, definitely kids that could do it for sure. What do you think of guys like Oscar Piastri? Like, heaven's here, he's dominated. Oh, yeah. F2, F3. Yeah. Yep. There's a lot of talent in Australia that needs, is what you were saying before, a yep. bit of funding behind them. Because 100%. at the moment, for our country, obviously an $8.6 billion industry, yep. you'd think that, you know, some of that money would go to helping get yeah. in the next Daniel Ricciardo, you know, in this in Yeah. Seat. I guess that's the hard part with being in, in Australia is even like that, you know, the group of guys that, you know, helped Joey Mawson out. There's that triple overseas. Mm. So to have that small group of guys trying to get him up, they almost needed 20 guys to, to, to equal what the guys in Europe have, can provide in terms of budget and, mm. and all that sort of stuff. I guess you're, you're right. People need to get behind certain people, but... The biggest thing, again, is b going back to the cost of racing. If the cost of racing was half, you wouldn't need as many investment people to get in, to get involved. Like, why do we need an upright in my car that's worth $50,000? Yeah. <laughs> no need. Yeah. Like, why is there a need? Like, yeah. why haven't we not got a generic upright worth $1,000 in my car? That's why I like racing Formula Ford, because it's budgety and it's close. Yeah, 100%. You know I mean? like that's, and go-karts as well. That's why we like racing go-karts now. I love go-karts. Why, yeah. why shit off Facebook? Do you yeah, know what I mean? like, yeah. Because it's just fun. Yeah, you know? it is. Yeah. That's that's what you want, the supercars. I get what you're saying there, to just come a few notches down yeah. to make it more competitive at the top 100%. end. 100%. In your personal opinion, do you mm. think, um, like say Joey Mawson, like I rate him, do you think he would have been in supercars now if he focused on Australia over it instead of Europe? With the budget and stuff that he was getting back then, if he had um, gone straight back from his GP3 season halfway through because he wasn't getting the results, yep. he was doing good in F3, European F3 at the time. Yeah. If he had switched like Anton Di Pasquale, yep. 100% he'd be, I mean, he yeah. would have been with, probably would have been with Triple Eight, I'd yep. say, someone like that, yep. you know, or at least a mid-pack team. Yeah. Yeah, but you reckon, so you reckon he stayed that extra two years too long? Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think he was just trying to, you know, when you're over there and you're racing guys like Mick Schumacher, and he was there in F4 and he was thereabouts in F3. You know, he's got that competitive bug. Yeah, you know, and, and he, he and wants he, to try and con conquer that while he's there. Yeah, yeah, and he went to the the Porsche thing. You know what yeah. you did as well over yeah. in the Super Cup, and I think for him, and he's even said this open wheelers. Like for me, yeah. I love open wheelers, but. Yeah. How I would go in a car like what you're driving, I don't know. Yeah. Some people, some drivers have a different, you know, like swimmers, they like backstroke and, yeah. you know, freestyle. Yeah, it's a different style. Yeah. It has its own style. Different style of Even driving. karts yeah. Yeah. Would he have been good in a supercar? Who knows? He's definitely concrete in S5000, but I hope for his sake, he moves up to something else and maybe you take his spot in the S5000. Yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? Like, 100%. I think there should definitely be a thing where there should be like a ladder where, you know, someone wins something like in Europe and they move up to the next thing and yeah. someone else will go. Yeah. I guess, I guess they're trying to do that with Super, mm. super 3, but, but just in cheap. Like TA2s? Mate, just buy 40 TA2s and have... That's the one thing I want to have a crack at, John. Oh, dude, it'd be so much fun. The Trans Ams, yeah. it looks so much so fun. So much fun. Like, that's the thing. They're $120,000. I say $120,000 like it's a dollar twenty, but it's yeah. a lot of money. But in the scheme of things, it's cheap. You know, $120,000, you can just bolt it and go racing instead mm. of six hundred. That's where that needs to go. And, you know, maybe if we had a an easier ladder, so if you say like a Joey Mawson or someone mm. could say, oh, if I win this, this, and this, I'm in supercars, where it's still not really like that. 
look at Gary Jacobson. He won the Super 2 Series. He was in there for like six years being competitive, and it still took him for yeah, it. Yeah, I spoke to him last week, actually. Forever to get up yeah. to the main game. And he's a good driver. And he's hanging on by the end of that, like those cars. There's Tim Sydney's doing well for what they've yeah. got, but they're, they're a backmarker team. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But like, yeah, you're right. He's done all that effort, and now he's trying to hang in the supercar game. Yeah, you know? and just for a, a rough figure, if, if he was to spend half a million dollars a year with the you know, the teams he was with in Super 2, he's essentially done a $2 million investment and he's won, I think that warrants a spot, but there was no spots. And it's just hard for him to, it was hard for him to jump and change to try and get in there. So it's a hard game to get in. But one, you've got to win, but then there's got to be a seat. And I guess, again, that's probably where what you were saying is if we can open up more, like for me, maybe a team like myself would be good to go, okay, I'll get a, a Gen 3 if they're cheap enough and I could have those wild, they could be the wild cards. Mm. Because there's a spot for him for a year. So then that opens up for a team to be able to do wild cards. So, um, you know, there's so much to think about. I think they should have maximised. I know, like, your car and the older model Holdens and Fords and stuff. Yeah. I reckon they should have maximised them to be at the end of the supercar grid to, to fill it out a bit. 100%. I reckon just expand the life of the car, especially for the big events, like back with 1996, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think I shared on Facebook ages ago, asking for guys like yourself to come on to the podcast yep. to just expand the car life and have those cars on the grid just for, you know, the underdog thing. It would, it would be great if you could team up with, you know, Another like Dean Canto, yeah, you'd sell for Bathurst one thousand. That would be that would be epic. You yeah, know what I mean, your sponsors would get that would maximise that just from the coverage, just at the track, and it's justified. I mean? Like the money they spend in six rounds of Super Two, one Bathurst one thousand would probably justify the cost. Like I admit, I'd like to do more racing than that. But if the opportunity was there, you could say, "Hey, how about we just do two enduros?" And it would be the opportunity. But at the moment, you can't do it. What do you think of um guys like Kyle Larson this year? Do you Dude. do you rate him big yeah. time? Like obviously. Um, yourself, you've gone from dirt to tar. Yep. Again, Kyle Larson's gone dirt to tar, obviously with a bigger budget, yeah. bigger teams and yeah. stuff. Bigger way, yeah. Yeah. Do you reckon he's he's been talking about the F one test? Do you reckon he will actually do it? And do you reckon that'll come? I'd to love fruition? to. I'd, oh man, <laughs> he's honestly though. I'm interested to know if many circuit racers know him, like interns, like prior. But he'd have to be one of the best drivers in the world at the moment to jump from a sprint car to a midget to a late model, win all three, NASCAR win those, like. I've no doubt he could do Formula One. And he's got the body shape for it. He's tiny. He's got yep. skinny little bloody legs and arms, and so he could definitely do it for he's, sure. He's a bit introverted like yourself, but he does. When I when he was at Paramount Speedway, he yep. just did be happy if you walk up to him. Yeah, yep. no worries. I'll sign your autograph. Yeah, just chill. I really wanted to go see him when he was with Dyson. I don't know if he'll be back in the next little bit, but yeah, I'd love to go see him. He's definitely one of the best. And it's kind of a good thing to show kids that it's not about dominating just one thing. It's about being adaptive. Everyone can do a test day in a go-kart for, for, for three days and then go win a state title. Not everyone should say that, but it's sort of, you're sort of like, oh, well, you probably should be able to win that title. If you, but if you need to rock up and something's not right and you adjust and you make yourself adjustable all the weekend and then you win it, that's a proper race car driver. And I guess that's where Kyle, doing so many different aspects of racing, you know, he's probably going to be the world's best driver for a very long time because he does that. I reckon he'll definitely win a few more championships to come. In the NASCAR aspect, do you reckon they should change a few things so it's more because obviously they 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 like their um this is playoff shit though yeah. yeah like the playoffs yeah, and stages and all sorts of oh. shit. Do you reckon they should go back with the rules like obviously yeah. I used to love NASCAR in 2010 when Ambrose was over there because yeah. it was less complication with the points and whatnot. Do you yeah, hundred percent. Well, because I, I didn't really watch it back then much, mm. but now like. I won't watch Natsuka because wrong time, but I'll just go straight to stage four. I reckon it's pointless. Yeah, stage. pointless. Like, why am I even watching it? Sit at the back, <laughs> especially in like super speedways and that where yeah. they sit back and just chill out. The playoffs is a hard one because I understand what they're saying is you can win every race and then lose the last race and you're not a champion. I guess it's sort of like football. You could win nearly every, you could win every mm. football game and then lose the grand final and you're not a champion as well. So I can sort of see their, their thoughts, but no, I'd, I think the supercar championships are way to like, that point system is the way to go. When you were racing sprint cars, did you ever get offered back then? Obviously, it was a lot more money in Paramount Speedway back then. Did you ever get offered to go overseas and do a, ra do a race at Knoxville uh, or something like that? Because I know yeah. Max Johnson, who I'm going to bring on the podcast, yeah. did something like that. So. Yeah, I didn't. Mm. Uh, I looked at doing it. There was options for me. It was going to cost. Mm. I guess the hard thing for me was I started my business when I was 17. So for me to leave my business for six months, essentially, it's like giving away a whole career. I personally didn't chase that side of things for that reason. And I guess that's kind of why I moved away from sprint cars as well because I didn't want to be that person that just 
drove around speed, ran Parramatta their whole life. You yeah. wanted to achieve more. You want to achieve more. Yeah. And and I guess for me is, you know, I've never been the one, I could never sacrifice my home life to go racing as well. And I'd never want my dad or my mum to, you know, have to mortgage the house to go racing or anything like that. And that was sort of at that point where I wasn't making enough money to go do that. And I didn't have the sponsors to go do that overseas stuff. So I just made a personal decision to like, nah, no. I'm going to stay. But you were tempted. Surely. Oh, 100%. Mate, <laughs> if they said tomorrow you can go race the Spring Cut in Oxford, I'll be there tomorrow. Are you certain that you reckon you'll have a crack on the new Sydney Speedway or Eastern Creek Speedway as it's known? Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure the deal's done. I've, yeah. I've been trying to ring him. It's just been crazy work. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure the deal's done to do – I've got the budget for three rounds. Big ass. It's been like 10 years since I've been in a sprint car. But, yeah, I think I've got at least three rounds. Yeah. But I said to him, like, I'd, I don't even know how I'd go. Probably terrible. <laughs> Probably back like C, mate. <laughs> but that's what I like about Speedway, man. Like the night I won the 10 grand to win, I was on used tyres and I'd already planned to buy, remember Creaky Brothers? Yeah, yep, yep. So who's the dude with the goatee? Sides. Sidesy. Yep. Jason Sides. So yep. that he was racing for Crickies and I messaged Crickies prior and said, have you got any used tyres? He said, yep, come up, come up to me after the A, man. I've got a truckload of tyres for you. And I won the A main, so it's 10 grand to win, and done all the celebration bullshit. And then I went up to him and said, oh, I'm just here to pick up the tyres. And Jason's like, you're that motherfucker that just won that A main. You're buying my second end tyres? <laughs> but that's what I love about it is because yeah. you you don't have to have the best stuff to still win it in Speedway. And I guess that's the disappointing thing about Super 2 especially is I could rock up on Friday for qualifying mm. and I could be a second off the pace and I'm there. I'm stuck there. I'm We're not clever enough to engineer that thing back a second. But Speedway, you can have old tyres, you don't have the new chassis. The car I'm running, he's actually got my old engine from 10 years ago. And it's still current. So, like, you've still got that opportunity to go really well in a Speedway car, even though you don't have the best gear, which is something I, I do love and maybe maybe it might draw me back there. But, I, you know, I've got a young family, so I've got to mm. sort of think about my, you know, there's been a few back injuries and stuff with Speedway as well, so... Do you think about that stuff now when you're out there? Obviously, like, I've got a girlfriend now, Brooke, who's yep. been supporting me. And she said to me, like, obviously... For us, when we're getting older, do you think about, like, your family when you're out there now? Like, when I'm out there, definitely not. But I guess it's definitely something that, you know, it's limiting limiting the, the risk. So if I got an offer to run a midget, probably not. Because you know what a midget's like when they roll, yeah, they just keep they're rolling. They're fucking dangerous. They're dangerous. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, S1000s, they're yep. quick. But I still think they're pretty well. They've got a really good cockpit, mm. good safety. Definitely run one of them. So I think it's just a matter of just picking and choosing what you actually want to do mm. and, you know, limiting the stuff. I probably wouldn't go if they got an offer to run a sprint car at Warnable. I would do it if I was in it for a year, but I wouldn't do it after not being in a car for 10 years because I just think it's just it'd be unsafe. So I think it's just a matter of just getting, making sure you pick and choose what you want to do. As long as I'm not choosing the most dangerous thing, <laughs> I think I'm pretty happy with that. You know, you go to Bathurst and we race there all the time and luckily it's been a while, but, you know, the Porter accident mm. at the top of the hill, such a simple accident you just spun the wrong way and sat in the wrong spot in the track and it's nothing that no one could have done so i think if you ever got to the point where you sit in the car and it's like oh it's too risky you might as well just give it up is it was it good for you this year obviously because you got the, the bathurst thing coming up was it good kind of having covid because you could save engine life or do you what how do you do that with like obviously being a small budget team to check yeah all those components for the next race because obviously the big teams have all that shit sorted they yeah. have a spare engine do you double check that with your with your dad, or do you have your mechanic like you know Bob? Does does she come around and check and what happens with like with that with the bump in day and yeah. the constant thing now because of COVID? We we double checking during COVID, and now do you reckon you're safe for the next two rounds, or do you reckon you're gonna you know parts are gonna wear out because you're in a second hand car and whatnot? Fingers crossed, not like when I was running the BFs and the FGs because everything was so aged and it had gone through five or six hands, it was constant constant maintenance but when i that was one thing i enjoyed about buying it from barry and gary uh, that car is essentially like here's the engine life and you'll be able to get a year and a half out of the engine you'll get, you'll get the rest of the year out of the gearbox you, and essentially it was all maintained so it's just a matter of the off season we should be able to and because our race is like a like we'll do 300 k's for the whole weekend on at sydney where main game to 250 in one set in one race so their their maintenance schedule is much higher than ours um, so hopefully we can, you know, get through the rest of the year without any maintenance. All right, John, um, thanks for being on, on the couch with Hawley, my first guest. And, um, dude, it was nice seeing you and chatting to you again. I appreciate you having me on. It's really good fun. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, hit the subscribe button and leave a five-star review. To keep up to date with the podcast, follow us on social media. The links are all in the show notes.